Welcome to We Hear Her. I am Erin Trenbeth Murray. And I am Jennifer Bean. We're here today with another amazing woman who's sharing her story and insights to lessons learned. Hi, I'm Erin Trenbeth Murray with the We Hear Her podcast for women who succeed. I'm here today with one of my dearest friends, Rhonda Pitchford Nikoloff. And I'm not used to saying her maiden name, so it's throwing me off a little bit. But she has been an amazing friend, role model, and confidant for several years for me. So I'm so glad to get to have this back this time with her. So I'd like to share a little bit about her background because it's one of the things that immediately drew me to her. She's a Midwest girl from Indianapolis, Indiana, and she graduated from the school, the business school of Indiana University and began working for a railroad material supplier where she spent 27 years. She started in sales as like the only female in the, in the company. And then when she left 27 years later, she was the CEO and owner of the company as well. Rhonda joined a Young President's Organization or YPO in 2007, where she's still an active member, which is where I met her. One of Rhonda's proudest career accomplishments during her railroad career tenure was graduating from the Harvard Business School after completing their three-year Owner President Management or OPM executive education program in 2017. After her railroad career, she started her own consulting firm called Rebel, which I love because it's the first initial of each of the members of her family, and has been actively working on continuous self-improvement and adding experiences to her routine that bring her joy. And she also has been like my therapist, my coffee mate, my friend, my lunch mate for in that personal time too. Rhonda and her husband, Bill, moved from Indiana to Salt Lake City, Utah in 2001, along with their two children, Emily and Luke. They love the mountains and the outdoors. Rhonda loves to travel, especially to San Diego, where she can see her two kids and they, where they currently work and go to school. So with that, please help me welcome Rhonda. Yay. So happy you're here today. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Well, I first, I have to go back to what immediately interested me to you when we went to lunch at Tin Angel way back in the day when we were youngsters and you started sharing with me a little bit about your career and I'd love to have you share a bit about what was that was like when you first started in a very male dominant industry um, and what what kinds of things you encountered so it was my first job out of college and, you know, it was a dirty industrial environment, but like most college graduates, I needed a job. So I thought I'll stay here for six months and then, you know, I'll move on to greener pastures and find something else. And the thing that was interesting about that position was that, you know, anytime a challenge would be put in front of me, I was going to knock that wall down. So, you know, it was, well, you can't be in outside sales because you're a woman or a girl at that time. And you can't do this and you can't do that. And if you think you're gonna do that, no, no, no. And so I just kept pushing until the answers were yes. Um, and then just, just kept pushing. So for example, my first outside sales role, they said your quota for the year is gonna be a million dollars. And if you don't make that quota, then you're not gonna have a job anymore and you can't go back to inside sales. Ah. So there was a lot of pressure. Pressure. A lot of pressure. <laughs> And they pulled out, I will never forget this, they pulled out this um, 
like old dusty shoe box and it had three by five cards with the customers that were typed on there. <laughs> and it was like all of the customers that nobody wanted. And totally that were, setting you up for success. Yeah, that were so <laughs> difficult and said, here you go. Here are your customers. And now go to Detroit and call on these people. So I'm going to places like Ford Motor Company and Rouge Steel. You know, I've never been on a plane in my life. Um, I'm going around with a big atlas, you know, with highlighted areas, how to get to places. And so it was just a whole new learning experience for me. And the thing that was so interesting about that, um, you know, when you walk into a steel mill or a, a motor company and you're a little 22, 23-year-old girl with your navy blue suit on, you know, you stood out because you weren't one of those boys. And then I think when they figured out, she really knows what she's talking about. Um, that that opened a lot of doors for me. So it was that credibility. Well, tell me because they knew that you knew what you're talking about. One of the things that I admire so much about you, and I don't know if I've ever told you this, but you're so laser focused. You're when you latch on to something, you're like a pit bull. Like the determination <laughs> in you, the tenacity and the determination is like nothing I've ever seen. Like almost a hyper focus of like driven and it feeds me I mean it just feeds me when you said you push and push and push and I think about other young women that are going to hear this podcast that are 22 how does one find that sometimes it's innate within you and you're just a driven person to push and push and push if that isn't something that's been your mo through your teenage years what suggestions would you give of how to find that courage to push, push, push? I think one of the things that my parents did really, really well was, and this wasn't really a thing that we talked about, it was just their lesson by example, that they were such hard workers, and you hear about like that Midwestern work ethic, mm -hmm. and I think that that was, you know, drilled into me from the beginning, and then it was just something that you just worked hard and you did your very best, and then probably the innate part was that I don't like people to tell me no, so I'm going to prove you wrong. And so all of those challenges along the way, um, I, that really fed my soul. Mm -hmm. And I just kept, and I didn't even know it at the time, you know, but it just was like, you told me I can't sell a million dollars. Well, I'm going to sell 1.3 and I'm going to show you, you know, and then the next year it was $5 million quota. Of course. You know, and so, and it was still the crummy box of, you know, customers. <laughs> it was like, see what you can do with that. So... I guess if you um, want me to rise to the occasion, give me a challenge and I'll see what I can do with that. Kind of like learning to golf. Like learning to golf, which you know, you know, I'm not good at golf, but I am like getting a little better. Yes, you are. But I really enjoy it, you know, and so I think that goes back to those things like what you read in my bio about, you know, trying to find things that bring joy to me. Um, a challenge brings joy to me. So... Well, golf is a challenge. <laughs> golf, it's a hard game. And Rhonda, since you picked it up, it's not like when you started, and, and I don't know if you played before you and I started playing, but, you know, I thought, oh, she'll go a couple times a summer. I had no idea it was going to be like a couple times a week or three times, you know, like you're on this course now, you're on this course. And it just was another example of, to me is it doesn't matter if it's her personal life or her professional life. If she's going to do something she does it to the nth degree, and that takes work and effort and that push-push kind of mentality. I love that. Well, tell so you stayed in the company. 
you move up through the ranks, you prove yourself, you become CEO. You have, I'm assuming, a very predominant male workforce. Was there any interesting life lessons learned by not having a mixed gender life or workforce? You know, when I um, moved to Salt Lake, we moved to Salt Lake because the company's corporate headquarters is here. So we moved here in 2001 and there were no females in management at the time. And so that was really where you felt like, I felt like I was just bumping my head against a wall, right? Mm -hmm. Because people were not receptive to what I was bringing to the table. And, and that was another situation in sales where I think the entire western half of the United States, which was my new territory, they had been doing about $3 million in sales a year. And that first year, I did $20 million. And it wasn't because, I mean, I worked really hard, but it wasn't because I just worked so hard. It was because it was just so ripe for the picking, right? Mm -hmm. um, but again, I made a, some people look bad, and so that wasn't a popular thing. And then fast forward to 2005 when I took an ownership piece in the company and then became president, you know, I had a lot of legacy guys who had been there a long time. And some of those guys had been bosses of mine. And so it wasn't, you know, wildly popular again that this young woman is going to take us in a different direction. And so I think I had to be very firm but very kind and my mantra became, you know, if you're not going to get on the bus with me, then you need to go. And that was tough. That was, mm -hmm. that was a really hard time. Um, and a few people did leave, but most people stayed, and it turned out to be really good. Of course it did with your leadership. Do you find, I know you're extremely close to your family. It's just such an endearing, the way you speak of your husband or your children, you just, you get a like a little sparkle in your eye and the energy, especially when you talk about the kids, when I hear something that they're doing. And I love that. I find that sometimes I carry home, I get in this mindset of leading and directing and, you know, c controlling at times. Yes, it's true. I can fall into that <laughs> at work. And then I go home and I can sometimes still be in that, that, that mindset, that boss mindset. Did you ever find that with, when, when the kids were younger? For sure. And, you know, my husband would say to me, you're not, you don't talk to me like you're the CEO. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. But I think, and you know this very well from your leadership roles, that it is so helpful if you can learn how to compartmentalize mm -hmm. in every aspect, right? And, and focus on what you're doing at the time. And so while I did take work home with me, um, it would, if I could like mentally go into another place when I knew I was going home and try to turn that piece off. And then, all right, I'm going to throw my briefcase down and I'm going to get on the floor and we're going to play or we're going to turn on a show or whatever it was. Um, I think that's really helpful. And compartmentalizing, like delegating and compartmentalizing, the more that you can try to hone those skills, I think they're super helpful or that's they have a, been for me. That's such a good point. Definitely the compartmentalizing. I find I do much better when I spill work into my home time and vice versa. And it happens all the time, right? You're trying to stay on top of it. Right. So you're out hiking. Let me just quickly check my, my text. I'm, you know, we're out golfing. I need to do a couple emails, but it's really nice when you can um, create a boundary and be like, at this time I'm with my friends. Right. Or at this time I'm with my family. 
So talk to me a little bit about um, Emily and Luke. So um, as you know, I'm super proud of my kids and yeah. love them. So they both went to Roland Hall here in the Valley. And then my daughter wanted to go to California to go to school. And she did that. And she went to San University of San Diego and loved it so much that she decided to stay there. And um, she's 25 and she's working for PNC Bank and just living her best life in San Diego. She's killing it. So, and then Luke is a senior at University of San Diego and is in the ROTC program for the Army. And he too is really thriving. So mm -hmm. we love to go to San Diego and see them and you know, it's an awesome place to be. Yeah, and he just did a leadership that, that in June, the big, So he the went big to, one. yeah, it's called an advanced camp um, and it's for rising seniors who are going to graduate from college and then when they enter the military, they enter as an officer. And what was so fascinating to me about this program, so when you look it up, the first thing you read is that they're mentally trying to break these kids. Mm. And you're just like, you're what? You know, don't try to break my baby. Yeah. And Luke is a tank of a human, so I knew physically he could handle those things, but I was worried about that mental part for anybody that you would send into mm. there. And then as you look at the photos and hear the stories, it's what most people would run away from, mm. and he's running toward it. So, you know, I'm incredibly proud and he's got some chip in him that, you know, only a few people have. And so I'm thankful that, um, that he wants to dedicate his life to this service. Well, he definitely has a chip. I'm sure it's from his, his mama. I remember being in Moab and it was like 104 degrees. And I'm like, look at that person out there jogging. Who would be running in the middle of the heat? <laughs> and it and was Luke. Luke. It was Luke. Luke. <laughs> it was like a quick five mile run, you know. But um, definitely, I have you know I have two sons, and it's hard to um, think about my babies leaving my nest, and you're you're a step ahead of me, and they're that close. So what is it like to reinvent your life now with Bill? So you know it's so interesting. I hear people whose kids haven't graduated from high school yet, and they'll say, "Oh, they're going to be gone," and they are gone physically, but it's just a different dynamic. Like you mm -hmm. still have your family unit. Yeah. I remember when Emily went to college, every time I sat the table for probably the first two months and I got out three placemats instead of four, I would cry and I, mm -hmm. because it's just a different dynamic, right? But we're still, um, we still move as a family unit and we spend a lot of time together and we're fortunate that we've been able to take trips together and you know spend time in San Diego. So it's just different. Um, and then I think that too, you know, and maybe that's part of the reason I took up golf when the kids mm -hmm. left, that there was a hole to fill and it was something that had been on my list to do and I had the time to do it. So um, I guess get a, get a hobby. I want a puppy. <laughs> well, I said to Jeff, I'm like, I need a dog. He's like, the boys just moved out. And I'm like, right, that's why we need a puppy. Yeah, it's a new <laughs> baby like, in your house. He's like, no, that means we can travel. I'm like. Well, no, that means we could have a puppy now. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you look back at all of your experiences, and I know you've traveled um, a lot, and I love how often you go to San Diego to see the kids. Um, what do you think your best, not best, but maybe what is the most, one of the most interesting places you've traveled to? I think probably the most life-altering. In 2010, uh, we were able to go to South Africa and do a family safari 
and it was with YPO. Mm -hmm. And another family friend of ours, they went with us. And just to be that far away and to be in this remote place where you were really off the grid and to spend, like, when they said, we're going to go on these Jeep safaris for four hours in the morning and four hours in the afternoon, I'm like, how are we going to sit in this Jeep for eight hours a day? Like, that sounds horrible. <laughs> we flew 24 <laughs> hours to sit in a Jeep for eight hours. But... It was, I think it's like fishing almost. You know, you would mm -hmm. see that first animal and you would be so excited. And then you would see a zebra or an elephant and you were so close to those things. And there were no phones, there were no computers. You were just there yeah. in that unit. And you knew, you know, you had to be quiet or you might get killed like because <laughs> the lion was right there. I mean, it was so spectacular. And then I think the people that were in South Africa that were a part of that camp, they were all just from a completely different life than we knew. But they were so sweet and so kind and so thankful for where they were, which we couldn't imagine living like that, um, that you really just wanted to gather them all up in a bus and bring them back with us. You know, they were just mm. so kind. And so I think that that experience was probably one of the most impactful. I love that. I can completely see that draw to compartmentalize, being easily to be able to compartmentalize that calm, there's no phone, there is no act. You're just gonna be right now, be right here in this moment and present right now. I love that. So in the last part that I wanted to ask you is these young women, I whenever I, whenever I speak to someone about you or share something about my good friend Rhonda, you know, your amazing career I think is just so out of the box, crazy, interesting. Um, I love to brag on that. I love to brag about your family and your sweet husband. Um, if there's young women that are looking at, listening to this podcast and looking at you and thinking of careers, maybe in tech, maybe in industry, maybe in politics that are not uh, a pretty gender neutral space, what advice or guidance would you give to these young women as they move into that, that territory? This may be really bad advice, but you know, I think that sometimes you've got to fake it till you make it. You know, mm -hmm. I yeah. think you've got to figure out, do a little research on looking the part and like you can still be your unique self, but make sure you're dressed professionally or how mm -hmm. it fits into that box. Make sure you're groomed, how it fits into that mm -hmm. box. And then do as much prep as you can beforehand. This whole thing about, oh, I'm just gonna wing it or I'm just gonna ad-lib it. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going in with some higher ups, I mean, we have Google now, right? That yeah. you can research these people, which before we, you and I did not have no. that. And so really just try to do as much homework as you can. I think be as prepared as you can, be on time, be a little bit early um, and put your best foot forward. And, you know, walk into that room confidently, put your shoulders back. I see so many young girls kind of like this, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. put your shoulders back, pick your head up high yeah. and walk in that room and just command that presence. And I think, you know, this goes back to my earlier stories, but when you're prepared um, and you can have a thoughtful conversation with somebody, I think that'll get you on the right foot to get started. Mm, love that, command that presence and you do. Well, that is it for our chat with Rhonda today. Thank you so much for joining us and look forward to hearing we hear her in our next podcast. Take care.
Thank you for taking time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more at womenwhosucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.